Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We've had a week to think about it and uh, let it all settle in, see where we think this organization is headed. Now it's time to really dive into some John Tortorella. I think we'll talk some Stanley Cup final as well, talk about the coaching staff, Carter Hart, all sorts of shit. So let's get right into it and let's lead it off with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. Happy Flyers Day, fam. It's June June twenty third. It is Flyers Day. It is Flyers Day. Is that a thing? Well, it's, it's what the, the days that everything happened. Yeah, the Richards Carter. Carter. It was oh, also was wasn't God, it also right. the day that that uh, Ronaldo the Ronaldo trade? I think so. A lot of things have happened on the twenty third. Maybe Ronaldo was at the draft. No, it was a couple okay, days. It was, it was a couple days after the draft, but it might have been it might have been the twenty third. Oh, it was Nick Grossman. That was that. Yeah, draft. Grossman was was on day two. That was the uh, the pronger trade. I remember I was at a wedding and I was getting updates on my phone. That's why I thought it was Ronaldo. I remember I was moving when uh, when the Pronger trade got announced. As an aside, as an aside, when was the last Flyers event? The last thing that the Flyers did that you were like, I remember where I was when this happened. Good- for me, it was when they traded for Ryan Ellis. I remember exactly where I was. That's a really good question. Um, Carter. Actually, you know what? The last <laughs> the last time I can remember where I was when something happened, and it has nothing to do with the importance of it. It has to do with the fact that it resulted in a bit being created that is still going on. It was that I was at the gym, the gym. when <laughs> Jordan Wheel resigning <laughs> occurred, and I came back. And I was like, this was like the big thing. It was whether they were going to resign Jordan Wheel because he was a uh, he was a, a surprising free agent because he hadn't played enough games. And my gym is in my my building, my apartment building. And I got back to my apartment and jumped on Slack and saw they resigned Jordan Wheel. And I was like, ah oh, man, this 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 sucks. I missed the the Jordan Wheel thing. I was at the gym. And then of course everyone in Slack we decides to turn it into a bit <laughs> that I only talk about going to the gym all the time. And it's still going on. So I remember I was Charlie, at the gym. Charlie, we get it. You work you out. Work Jordan out. Wheel got re-signed by the Flyers. That's the last one I remember. I'm still banking on Jordan Wheel having that 20-goal season one day. Any I day really, now. I think he's got it in He's the best player, not in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, him and Donique Martel, I really think <laughs> one day. Jordan Martel Wheel. is actually oh crushing it in the AHL playoffs. He's a great he AHL is. player. He's of course a very he good is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jordan Wheel is becoming like the John Sim of this generation. Oh, God. Uh, great that means nothing. Comparison. <laughs> John Sim was a guy who had like an amazing preseason one year and scored all the goals, and everyone was like, oh my God, they found the God superstar. Sam. And then he did nothing. God, how oh, flyers okay. is that? Yep. <laughs> everything about this organization Extremely is flyers. flyers. Basically, everything that goes wrong is flyers. Like when something good you think is going to happen doesn't, 
it's flyers. It's That's, not even like bad. It's just like the most mid organization ever. Like, yeah. Everything is just like fine. <laughs> oh, we found them. No, no, we didn't. No, no, we didn't. Uh, from the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I'm going to do a little bit of uh, pushing of my own articles uh, with this one. So there really isn't that much talk about flyers related other than just continue to go about towards stuff. Um, I worked on a piece with the great Shana Goldman of uh, of The Athletic, of the Too Many Men podcast, and we did... Formerly of Blue Shirt Banter. I mean, yeah, it's, it's okay, I guess. Anyway. Oh, shut your trap. <laughs> anyway. Charlie of the failing New York Times. Yeah, that's right. Blue Shirt anyway. Banter's a bad name. Um, I've done two pieces on basically that are like advanced stat primer articles. I did one back in 2017. I did another one back in 2018. Uh, this is part three and Shana worked on it with me and it's focused on, um, you know, player models like goals above replacement, uh, uh, GSVA, which is the one that Dom uses at our site, uh, that is now owned by the failing New York Times. <laughs> um, but then also, uh, Shana does some great, uh, great work on explaining stats you can look at for single games and visualizations. Um, and then also, what are important stats for uh, goaltenders? And for special teams. So if you have a subscription, please check it out. It's an article that I'm, I'm pretty proud of. You know, definitely awesome to work with Shana. And uh, and if you don't have a subscription, well, maybe if you're interested in learning about advanced stats, maybe give it a shot. Just I read so. it yesterday. It was outstanding. Thank you, Kelly. Because you I am subscriptions not. that we could give away, Chuck? Um, Not really. No, Charlie's trying okay. to get people to pay. I think that's the point. I know. But if we could have like one, like, hey, here's a free month. For reading Chuck O'Connor, I I can see if we can do some sort of giveaway. Like that could be possible. just like one or two. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's just, just something I thought of. Just big stat propaganda over here from That's Charlie right. O'Connor. <laughs> That's there's exactly nothing, what I do. There's nothing in this article about total points and plus minus. That's all I know. I didn't see a single thing about hits. I'll tell you that. I, nothing I, about I, the importance I, I of penalty I, minutes. I think I actually did include a little bit about hits because hits <laughs> actually are part of, if this might shock you. Oh, hits, that's right. Hits are score. part of the goals above replacement and the oh. game score value added stats. They yeah. are included. They're not super highly weighted, but they are included. You know why? Because they do have value. There it's you go, not, haters. It's the just not like stats to, as I mean, much value as many people in the traditional hockey community might In have the believe. Broad Street Hockey Fantasy Hockey League, you do get points for hits. I'm just saying. We get points for hits. We're secretly very I wouldn't people. know. I've literally never looked at it. <laughs> I also. All right. I'm ready for my turn because it ties into what everybody else has been saying. Steph is, is pre-introing herself. Yeah. I was just going to sit here silent for like Have a at it, Bill. Possible. I know you were. I'm like, I'm staring at you waiting. Steph Alicious D, Steph Driver. Okay. So to, to bring everything back together about how... The Flyers is, LOL, everything that's gone wrong ever. And also, we're old school hockey heads, like, at our core. Like, at our core, we like the goons. Like, that's who we are as people. So, let's take a look at John Tortorella, right? He's been saying since he was hired that this is where he wanted to coach. He wanted to coach for the Flyers, the Flyers organization. I mean... Always knew that this is where he would end up. And let's take a look at ourselves. We also 
always knew that John Tortorella was going to be a coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. We it was bound it. to happen one day or another. We saw it happening from a million miles away. We knew it. This is, this is the team that we've all chosen to support. Like, we knew that this was going to happen. This is the Flyers. This is our team. So, let's just... Like a little bit of a reminder why we decided to like this team, whether you agree with their direction or not. And I do not agree with the direction that they're in. They're going right now. But I found that Torts is saying all the right stuff, all the things that I needed to hear, whether it shows up in practice or not. Different story, but he's saying the right stuff. So things that make me excited as a Flyers fan is hits. I would love to see. He he said, God, I tweeted something like, it was a quote from him, like, we're going to play hard. We're going to be heavy. And like, it was something very sexual that I didn't realize until 12 hours later was like, ooh, torts, what are you saying? What gets you guys excited? I don't know. I'll tell crickets, you. Crickets, crickets, crickets. No, I am. <laughs> I can't. I can't get excited about anything until I know what the roster's going to be. Yeah, I, for one, am extremely excited for when this team uh, adds John Drews. I mean, Valerie Nachushkin. I think it's going to be extremely flyers when they go and get the new John Drews, Valerie. It's going to, it's happening. They're going to get someone who overachieved in these playoffs. I've targeted Nishushkin. I think that's going to I mean, I, I'll take that one. That would yeah. be a good one. It's going to be Kadri, though. <laughs> I don't think they can I'll afford that Kadri. one, too. I don't think they can either. But then again, they can't afford anybody. So I don't know, what, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Have we settled on Kadri? Because my it's entire Kadri. life, it was Kadri. I'm pretty sure it's I, Kadri. Kadri is what I say. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's because I watched so much Leafs when he was a Leafs. Because I'm a nerd, and uh, they say Kadri, so I've always said Kadri in my head. All right. See, I've always heard Kadri. I don't know. I think Americans say Kadri, Canadians say Kadri, because I got on the 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 train when he was a Leafs. I think that's just. I why did too, I, though. I got it in my head. All right. I did too. We were, we the- were Leafs fans at the same time. I don't know. I don't, what. I don't know. Is it possible to be excited about the team without knowing what the first and biggest moves are going to be? Like, I think just the idea that they have this coach that they seem to really believe in, who has a track record of getting the most out of his teams uh, and holding his teams accountable. It's something we're all very high on. Just, you know, you don't play, you don't fucking play. Yeah. I like that. It, like, just the idea that possibly Ryan Ellis is going to be healthy. Sean Couturier was starting to skate at the end of last season. Uh, Kevin Hayes was working his way back in and came back and should be ready to go. We'll see most of the team that we expected to see at the start of last season. Is that something to be excited about? So, where I stand... And this is probably different from anyone else on this podcast and and probably in the fan base is this next season is going to suck. Like it's going to suck. And I know that. And I also don't care. Like if they're setting up, if they're setting up the building blocks 
to move past this this whole season, this whole era of mediocrity, if they're setting up the foundation for that, cool. I don't know if they are, but I'm I'm willing to kind of see it out. And I don't care that this upcoming season is going to be a disaster because we know it's going to be. Looking at the cap, looking at the moves that they can make, this season's just going to be bad. I'm not sure it's going to be. Yeah, I was. I, I don't. I was. Yeah, I was on with the uh, the Philly sports table guys yesterday, and I said this on their show that like I can totally see this season being a lot of fun in the sense that the Flyers will probably be good enough to be in the second wild card conversation, and maybe we'll get down to one of those like the last ten games of the season are going to be if they make it or if they don't, and like. That's fun for for a fan. Like that's fun when the games that matter. That is not fun for me personally. I, I mean, that's. But I, I mean, like twenty ten was fun as fuck. Like, it, and it was down to the wire if they're going to get to the playoffs or not. When Giroux scored that hat trick to get them into the playoffs, like that was fun as hell. Like, would it have been better if they were like firmly in the playoffs? Sure, but it's fun to experience that kind of thing at the end of the season. So I could totally see us having fun especially since the last two seasons have been so bad. But at the end of the day, the Flyers just being like a middling team in the Eastern Conference. I think both of those things can be true. Yeah, I mean, my viewpoint is that if if Steph's theory plays out, that's actually great. I mean, it won't be it great. It is, actually. It won't be great in the moment. <laughs> Like, I'll have to deal with a ton of very, very angry fans, and that'll be super fun, and people I will be- I can't believe the Flyers just won't be good for, for Charles J. O'Connor. Like, <laughs> please think about Charlie. That would be nice. Um, that would be fun. And, it, I mean, obviously, it would be miserable watching bad hockey for another 82 games, because it's fun to watch fun hockey, as we see when we watch the Cup Final. But- it would probably be the best thing for this team over the long term if they're real, real bad and they get a top three pick and they get, you know, one of Connor Bedard or Mitch Koff or one of the other, you know, like the top four or five guys in next year's draft, unless they all have really bad years, which that would be very Flyers if, you know, the Flyers actually are real bad and then the draft completely stinks because everyone either got hurt or had awful draft minus one seasons. But why did you even have to say that out loud? I mean, because it's always possible. But any, God, but anyway, if the Flyers are real bad, I think that would be actually real good for, for the Flyers over the long term. I'm more on the side of Kelly where I, and I've said this before, I have a lot of respect for John Tortorella as a coach, and I think he will make the Flyers better. Now, do I think he will make the Flyers better enough that anyone actually believes they're going to take a real run at this? No. You know, unless Chuck Fletcher does the greatest offseason in history and they come out <laughs> of it somehow with, you know, this roster with two star players and Ryan Ellis is fully healthy and Sean Gatari and Kevin Hayes come back fine. Like, yeah, okay, maybe. You know, if he gets Mark Shifley and Johnny Goudreau and another good defenseman, uh, yeah, maybe then you could say, hey, with John Tortorella coaching really well, they could be in the mix. But I don't see that happening. I, I truly do not. So I think they will be better. And I think it will be entertaining to watch John Tortorella try to, you know, kind of force his way into this team and, you know, challenging players and having them run real, real hard in practice and probably a couple of blowups. It's going to be fun, I think, but I don't think this team will be anything better than mediocre. Yeah. I wish, uh, 
I wish they'd be real bad. Like, that would be cool if they were so bad that it was literally a disaster and they could finally see, okay, we need to start the fuck over. Like, that would be awesome. Uh, I, I just see, like I said, I think last week, see like an 88-point team in a, in a conference where every team had needed 100 points to get into the playoffs. And the non-100-point teams had like 80. I see them right in between. That like Eight they're a wins. tier. They are a tier unto themselves. Like there was no middle in the East this year. There were the playoff teams. There were eight of them. We knew who they were basically from January on. Yeah, sure. And then there was a bunch of bad teams. I see them right above those bad teams and right below those playoff teams. And if it comes to those like last ten games and they need twelve points. Yeah, it'll be meaningful. It'll at least be something worth watching. I'll want them to get in because, okay, what's the difference between drafting fucking 20th and 17th? Who cares? Uh, Why not just see a few more playoff games? But I just, it's hard to be excited about it just because of the situation they're in. A couple years ago, a couple years ago, we were measuring success by... Um, you know, winning, winning the Metro or being at the top of the Metro and then everything fell apart. And now we're happy again with being the second wild card. And I, there's, there's nothing wrong with us except that we continue to accept this team. I wouldn't say I would be happy with them. No, we're accepting it. Like that's that's we're just accepting the reality of the situation. Well, I yeah, say, I don't like, run the, the team. Reality. Like, what am I supposed to do about it? It, it is what it is. And as I a said, fan, it's not us. It's not us. As a fan, it will. And people can say that it won't be because right now it's easy to say that it won't be. But if this team needs to get three wins in five games at the end of the season, and they get two, like we're Maybe not Charlie, because he's dead inside, but all, the rest of us <laughs> will be, like, really amped about Flyers games. And that, because it, it just is. Now, I'm not, like, big picture, them getting the second wild card and sneaking into the playoffs is not great. It's not good. I mean, they'll probably lose in the first round if that's the situation that they're in. But in the moment, it will be fun. You can't convince me otherwise. I'm fairness, just there, so there sick are, of this team. There are ways where a season next year where they are, you know, competing for a wild card spot and they're in the mix. There are ways where that could get people excited. And I'm not talking about people that are just like, well, you know, it's great they're in the playoff mix. I get to see meaningful hockey. Like, yeah, that pe- you're going to get excited about that because it's it's competitive hockey and it's fun. But, like, if the Flyers were to do that with, you know, let's say, like, Carter Hart has a 926 save percentage, and Joel Farabee is a point-per-game guy. Like, the the big thing this team needs, and we've talked about it ad nauseum, is that they need young, high-end players. And if the Flyers get to mediocrity by a couple of those guys taking big leaps, that would be legitimately exciting. Now, the only guy in this team who I think has the potential to be a high-end player is Carter Hart. He's the only one. I love Joel Farabee. He was the guy I wanted in the draft in 2018. So, like, I am a big Joel Farabee guy, but I don't think he is a star. No. I just don't. On and a I've good kind- team, he's a good middle sixer. Yeah, well, it can be like a second liner. But, yeah. but 
I've kind of given up hope that that's going to happen for either Proveroff or Konechny. I mean, we'll see if either or both, you know, take a, you know, take a trip somewhere else this offseason, which is possible. Um, that's but the, if, Charlie, but my if, biggest if, if fear. If they're both back, like, I don't think either of them are going to take the leap into being a star. I think we're, that ship has sailed. My biggest fear is that one of those two or both of them play back to their potential and we get sucked into the TK oh, and, no. and Proverov like this washing machine of fucking, oh yeah, maybe they are really good. Like, no, please no. I, I don't want to ride this ride. I don't want to ride this ride again. So TK <laughs> is the one where if if he were to jump back to being the guy he was in 2019, 2020, I would be all back in on him. Because I think it's it's there somewhere. Like, I don't think that season was just a fluke. I just think he's lost it, and he's got to get it back. With Provorov, like, for example, if Ryan Ellis can play, and he can play up to Ryan Ellis' standards, and then Provorov has a good season, like, that's not going to change my opinion on Ivan Provorov. That's just going to be like, well, he he's back to being a good number two because he has a really good partner again. Like, it, it's not going to make me yeah. think, like, the way I thought when he was 22, 23, and thinking, man, he's this good at this age, he could be a Norris contender. Like, that ship is sailed for me, even if he has a bounce back year. The only way that could change is if, like, Provorov stays, they pair him with, like, Ristolainen or, mm. you know, Igor Zamula or something, and he has a great year. Then I'm like, all right, you know what? Maybe Provorov is more than I think he is. But if he just has a good year next to a good partner, it's just going to solidify what I already thought about him, which is that he's a number two, number three borderline guy who can play like a top pair defensive when he's next to a good partner, which is a good player. Like, I'm not a Ivan Provorov hater. It's just that the idea of him being a top of the lineup guy truly a guy that's one of the five best players on a cup contender, I just don't see that with him anymore. And those are the guys the Flyers need to be a true contender. And until they have them, they're just going to be spinning their wheels. So John Tortorella. Oh, Oh, yeah, that guy. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, John, like, what do we think the Tortorella factor adds to this team? Like, it's, say the roster is what it is right now. Say it's what we saw last year minus Giroux, basically. Um, does he, do you think he could get them, like, because they were fucking horrible last year. They have the yeah, fifth pick they for were. a reason. Indeed. Like, <laughs> do you think he alone, the addition of Tortorella to this group, makes them from horrible to, eh, watchable? I, I do think that if you iced this exact lineup that they have right now, coached by John Tortorella for an entire season will be better, like a lot better than next season. Now, uh, than last season, a lot better than last season, meaning, you know, not one of the three worst teams. If it's this exact lineup with John Tortorella, I don't think they're a playoff team, but they will be much better and probably easier to watch because they won't be doing all of the bonehead things that Bill always talks about, like screwing up line changes and not being able to get the puck out of their own zone. Like, they'll they'll do basic hockey things better, and that's good. My favorite they thing to that Tortorella changes. said... <laughs> line changes. My favorite thing that Tortorella said Ugh. is that this training camp is going to be hard, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's going to skate them. Like, he is going... They are going to be miserable. He is going to skate them hard. Love that for They're them. They're going to be in shape, and... I really do. <laughs> What'd you say, I Kelly? love that for them. 
I I absolutely cannot do. wait <laughs> for John Tortorella to kick their asses. Like I don't even want I don't want him to yell at them. I just want them I want him to bag skate them for three weeks straight. Just like that's and, and then I will be fine with the Philadelphia Flyers. Like you have to vomit in pain every day for three weeks. And that will that will mirror my experience of watching the 2021-22 Philadelphia Flyers, and then we're even, and then we can then we can clean start over slate to start next season. <laughs> no, I like every like the talk on the old Twitter machine has been, uh, you know, oh, what do you think the players really think of John Tortorella? And my answer is, I hope they're fucking terrified. Like, I hope... <laughs> Some of them, I hope so, yes. Like, I, the fact that anyone cares what any of these group of underachievers thinks. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> none, of you, none of you have accomplished a single fucking thing at this level of hockey. None. Not a one. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sean Couturier won a Selkie a couple years ago. It was a fake season. I don't care. What have you ever done in the uh, playoffs? Let's, no, hold on. We are not... We are not disparaging Sean Couturier on this podcast. What's he ever done? He was injured uh, last uh, season well, he, he, and then decided, I, I don't know this. He had that, certain, he had that playoff hat. He had a hat trick yeah. on a torn MCL in the playoffs. That's what he's done in the playoffs. And you know what he didn't have? His MCL removed after that, which he should have done. If he's that good on one leg, he should just play on one leg. Yeah, just okay. amputate the right. other yeah, that's the that, that shows you the That'll people you. that are disparaging Sean Couturier uh, just, want him to you know. amputate his leg and continue no, not, to play hockey. Not amputate, just have the MCL removed. Well, I mean, I got into a fight with Jake Voracek because I jokingly said he should play with a walking boot, so. Are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> Stunning. Um, but anyway, we are not going to disparage Sean Couturier on this podcast because he is the best player on the team right now. Oh, well. And... Nah, he definitely is now. He would you say he's better? Is. Fuck, that's depressing. <laughs> Shit. He is, he is a really good player. But listen, he no, was injured right. last season and looked at what was happening on the ice around him and said, nah, still injured, guys. I actually, no, give Couturier credit on that. No, he's he, very good. He, yeah, he's, he's good. Was, very good. No, I'm, I'm going back to what Steph was saying. Give Couturier credit on this. Like, he actually, he was working to get back. I don't think he was ever going to come back because that was insane, like, this season. Right. But he was practicing with the team by the end of the year. He was going on road trips. Like, give Couturier credit. He could have went AWOL and just been like, I'm done. Like, this is a season. He could have done a Ryan Ellis. Yeah, this is the season from hell, and I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. But he was around all the time. And by the end of the year, he was regularly skating in practices on a team that was a mess in a lost season. Like, that's the kind of stuff where I, that's why I think, like, ultimately he will be the next captain is that, like, people in the organization see stuff like that and they say to themselves, like, this guy gives a shit. And, I mean, look, I am of the belief that I think the Flyers would be better suited picking Scott Lawton because I think Lawton is kind of that social bridge. I think he has the willingness to call people out. And also, I kind of like the idea of Couturier not having the weight of the sea on him the way Drew did for a decade. But I do think in the end they're probably going to pick Couturier, and I think it's reasons like that, aside from the fact that he's the best player. But it's reasons like that where, you know— he could have bailed, and he was going on the big road trips, and he was practicing with the team, and he was trying to get back even though he knew he shouldn't. Like, th- that's the kind of stuff that, that makes people in the organization happy. I 
have decided right now, after listening to you speak, that I hate the idea of Sean Couturier as captain. I've decided that I hate it. I don't want I don't want Sean Couturier to be responsible for answering the questions about why the team around him is shit. I want that to be Scott Lawton, because I think Scott Lawton, not that Sean Couturier is soft or whatever, whatever you people will say. You people. <laughs> you people. Um, I just don't want him to have to worry about answering the questions. I think Scott Lawton has a, a different type of resilience about him. Not that Sean Couturier doesn't, but they're just different types of people and different players. Um, and I think that for the well-being of Sean Couturier being the best player on the team and kind of being a little bit reserved and shy, I don't want the C on him. I don't. I, I don't want- think he's that reserved or shy, but, well, let I me mean, rephrase. He is kind of reserved. I don't think he's shy. I actually okay. think Giroux is shyer than Couturier. Okay. All right. Yeah, I could. I accept that. I just want the captaincy suspended. I think it's cursed, and we need to take a little break. Like, let's go back to Lindros. I, I mean, I'm fine with that, too. Let's go back to Lindros. Brain damage. Desjardins gave it up. Primo, brain damage. <laughs> I mean. Hatcher, sucked. Uh, and, Forsberg, and Forsberg gave it up. Yeah. Uh, well, also his foot fell apart. I was going to yeah, say he had one yeah, foot. Yeah, <laughs> legs did not work. Could not feel foot in skate. Like, uh, who was after him? Was Jason it Smith? Is that, did Jason they go to Smith, Smith then? Yeah, it yeah. was Smith next. Yeah. yeah, Smith, one year wonder. That was a fun little season, and he never played for the Flyers again. Uh, Richie. Then Richie. Then Richie. Well, we know how great. That <laughs> yeah. Chris Pronger, brain damage. Brain damage. <laughs> Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux, the weight of the world, crushed him. Like, I, let's just let's give him a little break. You're not wrong. I so as break. as you're going through the list, I'm like, well, what if what if they pick JVR and it's the C that gets him traded? That would be hilarious. Uh, I, I I would Steph. love that. That would be the ultimate troll. The ultimate Steph. troll. So to what the we fan need to base. do is we need to put the C on someone that we don't like. Like, how do we get rid of you? You've cracked the code. <laughs> there it is. Put the C on JVR. I JVR. Hate you guys. If James Van Riemsdyk is on this team at training is. camp, I'm quitting. You you cannot. Like you cannot tell me. So this this would be it would be there a would way be a to, riot. No, it would be a way to purge the fan base because if you put the C on JVR, that group of fans would actually spontaneously oh combust and die. They would literally. They would die oh because it's like We're it's like doing J- it, guys. JVR, the player they hate the most, with the C, the thing they think is the most important thing in the world. On the guy they hate the most, it just it, it would be like it does not compute, and their brains would explode scanner style. I'm sitting here dancing. I'm so on board. Let's do it. JVR for captain. I, I'm. All right, we're at the thirty. We need to take a break. Are we at thirty minutes <laughs> Bill is speechless. I, I don't even know how we got to here. Honestly, I just looked up at Audacity, and we've been recording for thirty minutes somehow. Time so we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, on the other side. I'm going to try to, half of my, I'm one of those people. Half of my brain has exploded. <laughs> All right. So enjoy this uh, advertisement for a product and or service. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I think the crew just realized I only wanted to take a break because I very badly needed to blow my nose. Steph, I see you have the jewel there. You see they're going to be illegal in like a week. 
I did. And if there's one thing that I can rely on in this country, if there's one thing, it's that the nicotine conglomerates will find a way. They will find a way, just like all of the other things in this country that are going to kill you. The people who run them will find a way. So I am not concerned. I just, uh, I just don't see the problem with good old fashioned cigarettes. All right. Uh, they kill you a little bit faster. And also, and also I don't want my nephews breathing in the secondhand smoke. That's, that's broad street hockey podcast. Let's go. All right. So we talked about the idea of JVR as captain, which is truly, truly hilarious. Um, one of the funniest ideas we've ever had on this show. Uh, of the list of guys on this team, is JVR the least likely to be here when training camp begins? Yes. Well, I mean, if you're talking about guys under contract. Under con- yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's obviously guys who they're not going to resign. That's obvious. Um, JVR... You know, it's it's tough to say because, like, I can envision a scenario where he stays if the Flyers, like, if the Flyers strike out on all their free agent signings. Because mm. I really do think there's an element of this where it's like, yeah, clearing that space is big if you want to be active in free agency. But if none of the big players want to sign with you, then what's really the point? Mm. Like, what's the point of clearing seven mil to sign, like, a guy who, like, a decent middle six center i don't know like might as well might as well just give morgan frost another shot and if he's good great and if he's not then the team will be bad and then they'll get a high pick but he's not like don't we already know that like another shot at what proving he can play in the league at all they do in fact i'm gonna already know that devil's advocate this he got better last year once they let him play i will say that i do not i am not a big morgan frost guy anymore um but as I wrote in my season review, you can make a case that basically year, you know, year one of his pro career was cut short because of the pandemic. Year two, he played four periods, and then he, then he shattered his shoulder and missed the rest of the year at shoulder surgery. And then last year, a lot of last year was him kind of trying to get back in the swing of things after two really weird years of development. You know, two years of development got stunted. So you can make an argument. Like, he's the kind of guy where, and I'm not saying I think this is going to happen. But he's the kind of guy where if he were to be traded this summer and then in a year he breaks out and becomes like a 60-point center, you're going to read those articles being like, well, he was obviously a late bloomer because his development got stunted because of all these weird things that happened during his first couple professional seasons. Like, there's a plausible path to him being a late bloomer type. Now, do I think that that's, like, going to happen? No, but it's plausible. And if you're looking at this and being like, well— we we kind of want the team to be bad anyway, then giving him another shot as a top nine center is not a dumb move. Because again, if he gets better, great. You found a young top nine center. If he doesn't, then the team's going to be bad. And then you're going to have a shot at Connor Bedard. So yeah, I just, again, sure. If you want the team to be bad, I don't think that that's their plan. So if the idea is to be good, empowering Morgan Frost will do nothing to accomplish that goal. There are, while the last couple of years have been fucked up, there are young players who have stepped up into, like, 
pretty big roles over this time. And that excuse just doesn't play with me. Like, I already got hurt. Well, don't get hurt. I don't know what to tell you. Lots of guys yeah, get hurt, still got hurt. And they don't turn out. Yeah, like, true. But some of them do. I'm just saying that, like, look, I'm all about plausible outcomes here. And there is still a plausible path for Morgan Frost to be a good NHL NHL player. If you don't think that's going to happen, that's fine. I'm just saying that the possibility can't be ruled out. Like, good? Uh, like, what is good? Like, can play it in this league? Third sure. line center. Good. Yeah, like, third, third, yeah like middle six center. I mean, I, think I the, don't think the, he's ever a center. The, 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 ship, ha- the ship has sailed. sailed on him being, like, a top-of-the-lineup guy, I think. Like, I don't see any, any scenario where he's, like, a first-line center. That I just can't see that. But could I see him being, like, you know, a 50-point guy who can play second-line or third-line center? Yeah, that could happen. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. I'm just saying it could happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think he can play center at this level. Mm, I'm not sure if he can play. I'm, I'm center. with Bill. I I don't think so. I he's I, not I Danny Briere. He can't ignore defense. No. He'll never score enough to be able to ignore defense to the level he's just not going to be able to do. Like, I maybe hey, stupid shit happens all the time. It's hockey, right? Um, back to Torts. What do you think? What do you think the leadership group of this team thinks of Tortorella right now? The leadership group, I think, probably love him. Yeah. Because I, I Cam think, Atkinson's a part of that group. Yeah. yeah I, I think I think Cam is thrilled. I think is probably pretty damn happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect that Kevin Hayes is a little bit disconcerted by the fact that he already got called out in the opening press conference. That, that was, was funny. That, that was, was funny. wild. I think, so, I and I've said this to a couple of people, I think if there's going to be, an, and there's going to be an early clash, I think it's going to be Hayes and Torts. I think that's and I and the funny thing is I think Hayes will actually I think he will ultimately respond well. But mm-hmm. I think Torts is going to push Kevin Hayes hard. Because what I think what I think Torts is going to do with Hayes. Hayes is and this is to his credit because I think he's a genuinely good guy. He really 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 cares about this hockey team. I mean, there was no reason really aside from just him giving a shit for him to come back again later in the season. I screamed about it all and, year and try to play for this lost this lost team. And he did it because basically his thing was like, "Look, I'm getting paid 7 million dollars a year. I'm one of the highest paid guys on the team." I need to come back because, like, this is my freaking job, and I care about these guys. I don't want them to feel like I'm leaving them, leaving them hanging in this awful year. He sincerely gives a shit about this team. The thing is, is that like he doesn't always play like it. Like mm-hmm. he'll I, there. There are times where he coasts. There are times where he 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 takes too long shifts. There are times where he just like he looks like a guy who isn't fully invested. And I don't think it's like a character flaw. I just think he's not getting pushed. And I think what Torts is going to do with him is he's going to be like, Kevin, if you're going to say you care so much about this team, what the hell are you doing out there? And he's going to push him hard. And I think it's going to be a successful message because I think Hayes is probably going to get annoyed and they're probably going to clash a little bit, but he's ultimately going to be like, you know what? He's right. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't like I can't have this this idea in my head that I'm the ultimate team guy and then do some of the shit I do on the ice. And I think ultimately that's going to work for Hayes, but I think it might take some time. So Hayes, who is absolutely part of the leadership where I think he's gonna push Kevin Hayes real hard. I don't I think he's probably gonna push like guys like Atkinson and Katuri hard too, but I think they'll respond much better. Like Atkinson, he's just gonna fall back into his old rhythm. Katuri, yeah. I think, is gonna like being pushed. Because he's going to be like, this is great. 
Like, yeah. hell yeah. Somebody's pushing everybody as hard as I push myself. This and is we're awesome. when, when we talk about styles of hockey, like, you look at the way Columbus played. Yeah. Well, Sean Couturier fits that real well. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Hayes, I think I could see there being some some testiness there to start, but I do think ultimately it will work. It's just going to be towards pushing Hayes pretty damn hard. And we've talked about how while Tortorella, yeah, like he probably maybe had like a quick phone conversation or something with Hayes. But he said it was the first call that he made to Ke- it was the first call that he yeah. made as head coach was to Kevin yeah. Hayes, which I thought was impressive. No, they well, they definitely view Hayes as like the torts project. I and that's that's what I'm getting. Like, yes, he said it in the media, but he's going to have direct conversations, too. Like, that's one yeah. thing everyone said they liked about Tortorella's communication style. It is direct. I think Hayes will understand and Hayes can take it. And that's part of him using him as the example. The only player he named. I think I, like, not only is it important to get the most out of Kevin Hayes because he's signed long-term for seven million bucks and is one of the leaders of the team. He's a guy he can call out and knows will be able to handle that sort of pressure, uh, that sort of singling out. Like, I, I think it's definitely calculated. I don't think Tortorella... Make shit up as he goes. No, it feels right. I, yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, it feels right, and I, I'm just so I'm ready. I'm ready for Torts to kick their asses. Like, can we please complete one pass? One pass in sixty minutes feels like it should be doable. Drew's gone, so. <laughs> I gotta say, I was watching, I was watching the Stanley Cup final as as we I think are all doing, and I watched I watched just a tape to tape pass last night, and I was like, oh, so that's what it's supposed <laughs> to look like. It's oh. the puck movement at certain points of the game is is absolutely on like it's a different level of hockey. It's awesome. And it's also really, like, there's nothing they could do. There's yeah, no I, yeah, short-term yeah. fix to this. Yeah. There is Absolutely there, not. There was, there was one play, and, like, I hate bringing this guy up because of the implications. And, like, okay, yeah, let's, because let's, the implications. Let, let's complain about fucking Ron Hextall again for another day on Twitter. Ugh. But there was one play where McCarr had the puck in the defensive zone, and there was, like, a four-checker was literally draped on him. Had the angle, had everything. And McCarr just like kind of like skated with him on his back and took it all the way through the neutral zone and created his own entry. And I was just like, you know what? Like, no one on the Flyers can do that. No one. Not even Drew. Like, Drew can't do that. No one can do that. And that's just like, they need guys who can do that. They need they, desperately. Like, like, so much of, like, even with Torts adding structure to this team, which I think he will do. And adding accountability to this team, which I think he will do. He cannot make a, you know, a 75 talent player into a 95 talent. Player. No. Nope. Yeah. He can't make them be really, really, really good at hockey. He can make them play smarter. He can make them play more efficiently. He can make them play with more consistency. But he cannot turn a good player into a transcendent one. And they just, they, they don't have any transcendent ones. And I don't know how this changes until they have a couple transcendent guys. Mm-hmm. 
I am just going to kind of change the subject slightly because we're still talking about coaches, but other teams now, after, after the Flyers hired Tortorella, they're all starting to hire their coaches. And I think it's interesting that Trotz has not been picked up because we know that he has gotten at least one offer. Um, and I know that we've mentioned on this show that he might want to go into management, that that was the rumor that he doesn't want to keep coaching, that he wants some say in the front office. So maybe we've seen the last of Barry Trotz as a coach. I mean, for now, I is he waiting for Chuck to get fired in December? (laughs) I will believe that when the Winnipeg job is filled, like if Winnipeg hires uh, Montgomery, then I will say, okay, maybe Schrotz is either going to take a year off or he's going to like take a job. There are some rumors that like he was considering taking like instead if he doesn't take a coaching job that he might join like the Nashville front office, which would be interesting. Yeah, I've heard that work under Poyle where the, the Nashville thing is coming from. Yeah. So, like, that could happen if he doesn't coach. Um, I still think – I think that the chalk, like, guess is that he's going to end up in Winnipeg. That yeah. just makes sense. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. And when something hasn't happened, you never really know. And you're right. A lot of the coaching the coaching spots are filling up. Like, Vegas is filled up. Dallas is filled up. Philly is filled up. Like, Florida has filled up. Florida was yeah. an interesting option. Florida was filled was and they got refilled. Yeah. Weird-ass hire. On their part, Weird. if you ask me. Apparently, Paul Maurice interviews really, really well, which is interesting because, like, he doesn't coach really, really well. I was well. going to say, like, <laughs> that seems less important than the coaching bit. I don't think Paul Maurice is a bad coach. I just think Paul Maurice is the epitome of an average coach. Yeah. I just, I don't know that, like, I've never seen him coach a team that plays the way that Florida does. So, like, I don't know how that works. Uh, Winnipeg. Like, the one year Winnipeg was real good. I mean, they weren't nearly as fun as Florida. And I'm sure that he'll will probably slow Florida down a bit. They won't play the same Quenneville run-and-gun style. But, like, that team with, you know, with Truba and Bufflin and and uh, Morrissey when he was playing at his best. And then you had all those forwards kind of in their prime. Like, Wheeler was still really good. They played a pretty fun style. I mean, they were, like, like a 108-point team. They were real good that one year. And, like... As fun as Florida was in the regular season, um, it turns out you can't only score on the rush in the playoffs and be successful. Mm, Here's the thing, though, about the playoffs. I do think that that was where uh, Brunette lost his job. Oh, yeah. There was adjustments that he needed to make that he didn't make, and it wasn't just like you need to lock it up defensively and stop being so offensive. Like, that's not what lost them, those series. Like, the power play... There was, like, never any real adjustment made to the power plays that were garbage for the entire playoffs. Like, every other team that's played Tampa has figured out the the high blocker thing with Vassie, and they didn't seem to have any idea that that was a thing that they could target in that series. And it showed because they scored, like, zero goals. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's – that you can say, like, you can't just offense your way to a Stanley Cup because Not we're just... kind of seeing it happen. I mean – Colorado's Colorado's close. Colorado's a good defensive team. And not, they, only, not only not only didn't the that, Flyers score like five goals against them? No, that was games? that was December Colorado. What Colorado was from January on, they got into top ten in goals against. They were like ninth in GAA. Yeah, because they had the puck all the time. That's defense. That's defense. Exactly. <laughs> That's the kind of defense I like. 
right. Yeah, but I'm just like, Florida seemed to play, yeah, we're just going to wait to get a loose puck and then go on the rush, and then we will score on the rush. And if that's your only way of generating offense, like, Fair. all right, you ran into a great goalie and a team that knows how to beat everybody, it's not going to work. And guess what? That team's not going anywhere. They're in your division. I do agree with you that Florida and Colorado are a little bit different. I, I think that there's there's elements that are similar in that Colorado plays extremely fast. Yeah, they empower, they're they, incredible. They empower, they empower their players to take risks, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff I do want to be copied around the league. That said, Florida is a little bit more where they like their their commitment to offense is more philosophical and stylistic. In that, like, this is how we play. Mm. And you can see it by the fact that guys like Anthony Duclair and, like, Mason Marchman and whatever, like, they put up these incredible numbers that are probably not representative of their true skill sets. It's because that that system empowers them. Whereas Colorado is a little bit different because, like, yes, the system empowers them, but they're really, really good offensively, mostly because they have unbelievably I good look players. Look at their talent. Yeah. So it, 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 good. Yeah. They, they over, like, Florida tries to overwhelm you with, like, yes, they have talented players, but their best players are not on the level of Colorado's yeah, best players. No. Florida tries to overwhelm you with, with philosophy and with style and with relentlessness. Colorado just tries to overwhelm you with talent, and it works yeah. because they're just more talented than yeah, everybody else. they have an all-star team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like pretty much because they're gonna lose Nazem Kadri and not even fucking realize it. Kadri, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 awesome to watch. Like these two teams being in the Cup final is is really so great. Uh, there was one more thing on Tortorella that I meant to bring up last week and I didn't, and it's about like who he is. Like I think a lot of people we've said like I think there's a misrepresentation sometimes of. Like, the kind of coach he really is, the kind of guy he really is. Because you just see him, you know, post-game, he's busting on reporters. Uh, You know, during the game, he might be yelling and shit. And he has the reputation for being a tough coach. And maybe a bit of a dinosaur. But, I remembered, back in 2017, he did something that hadn't really... It was kind of unheard of at the time. He did away with morning skates. And he said he had a deal with his team. You stop partying the night before games, and I will not have to skate the booze out of you. And they did. And it worked. Like, uh, that was, it, it seems like a little thing, but it's just one of those, hey, morning skate, that's what you do in hockey. And he was like, no, why would I have my players on the day of games exert more energy than they fucking need to if I don't have to do it to them? We know now it's not the 70s. Guys aren't out till fucking 4 a.m. at Rexy's anymore. They're in their hotel rooms playing video games. Perhaps. <laughs> 4 a.m. Yeah, but they're not hammered. And, like, they're not partying. They don't need to get whatever substance is out of their system before the next uh, game. They're still professional athletes. Yeah. And and here's something. So we um we spoke, and I'm, I'm obviously not going to go into specifics here, but we spoke with John Tortorella on um, Tuesday. Today's Thursday, so it was Tuesday. We spoke to him off the record, the basically the entire media core at uh you know at the skate zone in Voorhees. And you know, I'm not gonna go into details, but one thing that Torts did communicate is that look, his thing is like, look, I don't want these guys not to have fun. Like, yes, you have to, you know, 
do things responsibly, don't do anything crazy. But he basically was like, look, like, if he's going to try to even, like, set up things where, like, normally, if, let's say they're on a road trip, and normally they would leave one city right after a game, you know, that night, he's like, you know what, honestly, I'm probably going to try to have it sometimes where, you know, we stay that night. And the guys can go out after the game and get go to a nice restaurant and have a couple beers. And he's like, that's fine. That's that's good because that fosters team chemistry, that yeah. fosters camaraderie. After and the game. Yes. And and he's and he's like, look, you know, I wanna build a culture here, but that also involves like guys liking each other and guys being able to build relationships and the kind of like I'll go into the trenches with you attitude that maybe this team at times has lacked. So towards to me, and as I said, I'm not going to go into specifics about the nature of an off the record conversation, but he did not come off as a dinosaur in that conversation he had with the media. It was very much like, look like, yeah, I'm going to be hard on these players, but I'm also like not going to try to control their lives. He says he's said a lot of things that would suggest that he's, I don't know if learned lessons is the right word, but like embraced the modern game with his comments about, um, you know, he's not a guy that knows what it's like to be a talented offensive player. So who is he to tell them what they need to do to score goals? Like that, that kind of always, stuff is a little fan service to me. Like, I, I don't know how much I buy that kind of comment. But then he also says stuff where like he talks for 20 minutes on the Merrick show about, Nick Sealer and how that fight that he had against Delorier was just like such a great moment. And, and that's why he had to get so many minutes and that's why they re-signed him and like, what a like fucking treasure Nick Sealer is. And then I'm like, okay, there, there. there See, I is. feel like that's more fan service than the other. Well, one. it's fan service to a certain section. It's, of yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're, a, we're a segmented group. <laughs> we are very divided. <laughs> I try to represent um, everybody. Oh, of course. I feel like uh, we as a seven, Nashville not you know. not long ago, but are they selling the Nashville Predators? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, they so, they sold them to, to be a hockey fan to like a guy that used to be the governor or some shit, something like that. Interesting. And the Sixers guy is selling his ownership stake. Yeah, he's is like that a, what I he's heard got like a ten percent stake. Yeah, who cares? He said Does he's still. Does that mean gonna... that the Sixers aren't moving? Yeah, they're not. They're never gonna move. They'd be fucking crazy. To move Maybe they'll game. build their own stadium. I expect that to happen at some point, but I don't think they're ever going to. That's yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um. All right. You want to do the fan survey real quick, Charlie? We could get through some of that. Yeah, sure. So uh, just to give some background on people who do not uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Again, if you don't, you should. It's good. Anyway, uh, I did a fan survey. I actually did this fan survey. Uh, I guess the questions on June 10th thinking that I was going to do it the following week, and then, of course, last week became the John Tortorella week, so it got kind of pushed off to the side. But I was able to publish the results early this week, and unsurprisingly, people ain't happy. They're not happy what? with this team. I know. It'll blow you away. Um, I feel like you just meant in general. We had the, uh, <laughs> the overall health of the Flyers organization. Uh, so going back, this is the third year I've done this poll. In 2020, which was during the pandemic pause, was before the bubble, but it was during that, the summer of nothing. Um, the average score was, it was ranking it from one to five. The average score was 4.15. Last summer, it was 2.66. 
This mm-hmm, summer, mm-hmm. it is 1.77. What a Woo! fucking... Yep. That is a roller coaster drop. People ain't happy, and it's like, pretty wild. We are in free fall right oh, now in are. Philadelphia. We are. Like, and I got to agree. Like, yeah. W- what does this organization, the organization as a whole, even forget the on-ice results of the last couple of years? What do they do well? Not a lot. I mean, let's be let's let's be realistic here. Like they're getting sued by two of their own trainers. Yeah. Like, this, is like, not, this is not a healthy organization. Oh, oh. like draft and develop? No, uh, foster a familial, uh, collegial atmosphere? No, like all the season ticket holders are fucking upset about uh, the free stuff Everything. they don't get anymore. <laughs> Nobody's happy. No. No one is happy. I can I can confirm though, uh, on my most recent tour of the Wells Fargo Center, the Zambonis are not inside at the moment. Well, it, it at the, the that's at the Wells Fargo. Yeah, it was the practice yeah. facility. It was the practice. I know it was the pra- practice facility. However, I can confirm that there are no Zambonis in the public space, in the private space, in the Wells Fargo. Well, Center that's good. Right now. That is good. Um, yeah. So people ain't happy. Uh, we did the one thing I think that was the big takeaway out of a lot of these questions is particularly at the athletic like people really 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 hate shock like they mm-hmm. are they are not chuck fletcher fans the uh the biggest reason like one of the questions was like what's the biggest reason why the 2021 22 season was so bad uh the four possible answers were poor offseason moves by management player underachievement injuries poor coaching poor offseason moves was 42.5 percent then it was, which person do you view as most culpable with the Flyers' predicament? Chuck Fletcher was number one at 33.1%. Yeah, that's the... Like, people, people ain't happy with Chuck. They are, uh, they're pretty pissed I off mean, at him. to be I'm... fair, it is him. Like, he's yeah. the general manager. It's him. I just, like, uh... I nothing Chuck. Like, nothing we, Chuck. We talked about Paul Maurice being, like, a guy who gets exactly, like, what it is, like... I don't know. I, I blame Hextall for the current state of the team still more than nah. him. And, it, like, nah. he's gone and everything. But, like, the whole idea was it's built around his guys, and his guys aren't any fucking good. Um, I know, but then then it was Chuck's job to do something with that situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that that's the point I've made multiple times, that I think Chuck has failed more passively than actively. Yeah. Um, but he's still failed. Without a doubt. And, you know, it was one of the other questions that I found fascinating. And this, again, goes back to the fact that I think the bulk of the vitriol is directed towards Chuck in the end. Like, people ain't happy with Comcast either. Like, their uh, their satisfaction rating is down to 2.2, which, like, shocking. People don't like Comcast. But then I was like, what is your biggest complaint with ownership? And, you know, obviously we hear a lot about, you know, some people screaming that they don't treat season ticket holders well, that games are too expensive, that they're out of touch, that they don't understand Flyers history. And like, yeah, some people voted for that. But 40.3% easily a plurality voted refusal to clean house in the front office. So basically, our biggest it's problem with Chuck. ownership is that they won't fire Chuck. Yeah. And, and granted, like, <laughs> it's not just Chuck. Like, I think probably some people are but, like, fire everybody, like get Clark, get Holmgren out of there too. But like... The biggest problem with ownership from people in this poll is that they haven't been willing to fire the people that we really hate. But it's not even it's not even like the people whose names we know. It's like 
the scouting department. How many stars have you found in the last 20 years? Yeah, like, why do you still it was have either, a job? It was either Matt or Harris. One of the uh, one of the regulars on postgame like, came on and was like, you know, they've had this many people in the organization since like 2000, since 2005, and none of them are, we can't qualify them as successful. Like their tenures have not resulted in like, there's a reason we constantly have to go out and buy free agents and make trades. Because you can't fucking, you can't determine who's good and who's bad. Yeah. I mean, we watched all of them sit in a room and, and talk themselves into Sam Moran. So, like, yeah. you know who these dudes are. If Nurse and Moran, stick. If yeah. nurse and Moran were both there, they here. liked Moran better. Yeah. That means they're because bad at their job. Because he shit in the bed of a pickup truck. That's he might whack you with his yeah. stick. I don't know if Nurse will. Turns out Nurse is real fucking mean, too. Yeah, he's pretty mean. <laughs> As it turns he, out, he and he can be... also... He can also play a little. Now, yeah, they weren't in position. They weren't in position to get Darnell Nurse because some team thought, like, I'm not stupid. I will draft him. <laughs> He's better. Yeah. But, but they like, would have. They yeah, had like, him on the it, board. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the process. The conversation the we saw was that they valued one over the other. Yeah. All those people are still in the organization. Yeah. So here's, still here. here's a fascinating question about Chuck because I want to go into this other question. And this is something we've touched on before. Because, look, it's obvious that people really, really don't like Chuck Fletcher right now, and people really don't understand why he still has a job. Now, one question I asked was, if you could erase one move done by Fletcher over the past 12 months, which would it be? And by a landslide, 63.1% was the Rassus Rista line and trade slash extension. Shocking. I would have guessed over. That's that's obvious. (laughs) Now, here's, here's the big question I have about all of this. And obviously, you can't just do this. But how much of the utter distaste that people have for Chuck Fletcher in this fan base, particularly online section of the fan base, is driven by the Risto line of thing? A like lot. If, 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 100%. If, if Risto didn't happen, if he would have went out and just gotten another whatever defenseman, like... Would people hate Chuck as much, or would people look at it as, you know what, like, yeah, Chuck hasn't done a great job, but, like, I can't, like, if if the Keith Yandel signing is the worst thing he's done, and you're like, well, yeah, that was dumb, but, like, we didn't expect it to go this bad, he was a third-pair defense, whatever, like, do people give Chuck more of the benefit of the doubt yes. if the Risto thing doesn't happen? Yes. Is, this, is, can, is a lot of this driven by just how I dumb the Risto thing was? I for myself that 100% the day that I lost any faith that I had in Chuck Fletcher, it wasn't even the trade. It was when they re-signed him. Because, okay, you've been obsessed with this large man for, like, <laughs> five years. You saw a chance to get him. You paid too much. Some other GM probably would have paid too much too, but okay, you got him. But then he came here and wasn't very good. Like he wasn't as much of a disaster as we expected, but he wasn't $5 million worth of good. And then you went out and you doubled down on your bullshit. And not only are you now saddling us with a bad player that we can't get rid of for five years, but you fucked the cap situation almost beyond repair, which makes it nearly impossible for them to do anything significant this offseason without him first working a bunch of magic. So before that, I was kind of just like, "Mm, maybe he can do it. Now, as soon as that happened, I was like, well, no, we're fucked. Like, this is what he thinks is important. We're, We're fucked. 
Yeah. And I think we talked about this. I know that I've brought it up before, but I think we talked about it on this show a couple months ago. Like, yeah, that was, that was the moment that everybody lost faith Mm -hmm. in Chuck Fletcher. And I, I haven't, I don't have any disdain towards the man. I don't think that he's done a great job, but I also don't think he's done a horrible job. But if we cherry picked, if we just kind of plucked that whole Rasmus Ristolainen situation off of his record, no one hates him. I don't think that anybody hates him. I think that there would be a whole lot of, eh, he's fine, but no one hates him. Like, he tried, like... The team kind of let him down. Like he got us Ryan yeah. Ellis for nothing. Yes. Like that's that's kind of what tried. I tried. Yeah. If if you if you take away the Ristolainen thing, is it more like Chuck gave it his best go and things yes. just didn't break? His where voice? did did um yeah. did the Gost where did the Gostisbehere thing rank? Was Gostisbehere that even listed? Thing was that was third. So okay. it was it was Risto at sixty three point one. The Keith Yandel signing at ten point five. The <laughs> Gostisbehere trade at nine point five. But the thing with the Gostisbehere trade is that a lot of people view, understandably, the Gostisbehere trade to be like linked to the Risto thing because yeah. that's what they use the cap space for. Yeah. So that makes it look even worse. Like I think they the thing with the Gostisbehere trade is that I think they were going to trade Ghost regardless. Yeah, they didn't need to get literally nothing for him. I think they were going to trade Ghost regardless because he had asked for a trade. He wasn't happy with Vino, understandably. And it was like, okay, I think this ship has kind of sailed. We need to get him and change the scenery. So I think he was getting traded regardless of whether they got Risto or not. But the fact that they, you know, like a day later, used that freed up cap space and immediately filled it with Rastus Ristolainen, it makes it seem like they traded Ghost to get Ristolainen. And And in a sense, that's true. I just think they were going to do it anyway. But that is the way it played out functionally, which is why, like, in a sense, you could look at it as like, well, about 75% of the people think the Ristolainen trade was the dumbest one. Because if you want to add the ghost percentage to the Risto percentage, then it's really all just Risto. I also think some of the the ghost thing is that he had yeah. a, a pretty good season with Arizona. And the idea that we had to pay them to take him, I think, is the thing that people are mostly annoyed about. With the ghost trade. Like, I don't think anyone cares that we got rid of Ghost. I think it was that the idea that you had to pay to get rid of him. And then when he got there, he was good. It's just like he was good. annoying. So yeah. here's he, the, he, he right. And he was bad yeah. here because you didn't let him. Here's he the point I'll make about Ghost. And this is something I think I got like a lot of criticism on this on some message boards, which like don't, I just don't, don't think they don't like go there. I don't think they get it. Like, Where are these there's, message there's, boards? Don't yeah, go like, to a message like, board. Yeah, like hockey future and whatever. But there's there's there. a there's a thing where like Ghost in Arizona, he obviously had a lot of points. They basically just let him do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, there right. was and, no, but, but, but it was but, a here, real but, team. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you look, and there's a lot of people who claim to be stat people, where it's like, I believe in the stats. And then with Shane Goss's bear, they completely ignore the fact that like if you look at his RAPM, which RAPM, it's on Evolving Hockey. It's the best way to isolate play driving ability. Shane Gossesbeer was a flat-out liability for the, the Arizona Coyotes. He had a minus .135 expected goals RAPM. And that was pretty much all because his defensive metrics were awful. And the truth of the matter is, is that if he was on the Flyers doing that, people would be screaming that his metrics were awful and that the points don't matter that much because he's getting crushed when he's on the ice, even when you isolate for everything, including teammates and competition, which is what RAPM does. 
And I really think what happened in Arizona is that Arizona was like, we're bad, so Ghost, go out there and do whatever the hell you want, which is fine, and I'm sure Ghost had a blast, and that's great. And he got a lot of points, and he got to be on highlight reels, and I'm happy for him because I like Shane Gossesberry. But the fact of the matter is, is that by playing that way, Ghost was getting crushed defensively. Yeah, why did no one ever make him a forward? It was happening. (laughs) Should have been a forward. No other team, I think, would have let him do that because they would have actually had designs on being competitive, and they would have been like, "Ghost, you can't pinch on every play, and you can't, and, and and you can't even say that like, well, the team should just let him do that because they should let him have that kind of freedom." Like, no, then he'll post, you know, play driving metrics that are in the bottom twenty percent in hockey, which is what happened this year. Which is why competitive teams, if they had Ghost, would be pushing him to play a more two way game because he can't just score points. He's got to not be a liability. So that's kind of my point where it's like you can't just point to the points and be like, man, they were so stupid for trading ghosts. Like, yeah, it would be ideal if they didn't have to give up a second round pick to clear cast base. It certainly would have been ideal if they wouldn't have like, you know, trade like immediately use that cap space to get Rastrista line in which like, yeah, dumb move. Real, real dumb. I am not in favor of that. But like if you look at it, the underlying metrics, Rista Linen's isolated expected goals RAPM was better than Ghosts. And we know Risto's numbers weren't good. Risto was actually less of an expectable liability than Shane Gossesbear was this year. And I'm not saying Risto is a better defenseman than Ghosts. I'm just saying that, like, we know Risto's numbers were bad and Ghosts were worse. Yeah, it's, it's more the idea that they gave him up for literally nothing and needed a second-round pick to yeah, do it. it was less than nothing because they paid to get rid of him. And, like, <laughs> you look at these trades that Chuck made, and six months prior, Colorado got Devin Taves for two seconds. It was like, oh, we got nothing yeah. for anything. Like, we gave up more and got way less. Well, that's why somebody was like, I think when, when, I, when I was particularly critical about the Ristolainen thing, and somebody was like, well, you needed, like, you needed to use that cap space. I'm like, did you? Did you? Because what you could have done is you could have taken the cap space, kept it, and waited for another Devin Taves to become available and then make that trade. Isn't and, like, Devon? that's been – that Devon, Devin, whatever. Uh, and that's been one – like, I don't hate Chuck. I, if they fire him, cool. Like, he's not good. Fine. But, like, my biggest criticism of him is, like, he does stuff preseason – it seems good, and then they need to do more stuff, and he just goes, nah, no more stuff, That's stuff's fair. over, that stuff's done. Like, he had his first year, he had a good he had a good preseason, and then we added Derek Grant and Nate Thompson, and that was it. Yeah. Like, the next year, all they did was add Eric Gustafson, and, like, that was fucking stupid, but whatever. <laughs> it was worth a shot, I guess. And then, like, you know, they go get Ellis. They have the offseason they had last offseason. And then in December, when things aren't going well, they completely wave the white flag. There's more than half the season left. And they went, nah, fuck it. We, we surrender. Like, okay, you just gave up. You couldn't have done stuff. And that's been my biggest fucking criticism no, of Chuck is he just gives up. It's fair. There, there's been and, – and granted, I will acknowledge that it's harder – to make moves in season, particularly not around the trade deadline, but that doesn't mean they can't be made. If the job was easy, I could do it. I've always like, said, like Bill, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times on this show, that my biggest criticism of Chuck Fletcher is that he doesn't anticipate problems before they happen, and he just doesn't seem to be especially creative. That you, that 
he doesn't seem to have the creativity that that great GMs, at least in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like this is this was the case in Minnesota, but you know, I didn't cover him, so I don't know for sure. But like, there just doesn't seem like there's he's he's he thinks kind of conventionally. It seems like, or at least the moves that he's made in Philly have been pretty conventional. Yeah, we haven't seen much outside yes. the box, and I feel like the Flyers are in a position right now where they kind of need outside the box. Because like, be, being inside the box ain't working. Chuck Ghost is not a guy. Ghost in a second for nothing seems pretty creative. Chuck is not <laughs> a guy that would look at Valerie Nachuskin in Dallas playing like dog shit and take a chance on him. Yes. Like they'll, they'll never yes. be that team because they don't, either they don't have the kind of people in the front office that can look at Nachuskin and realize that he's actually good, or they have them and they simply don't listen to them. And I don't know which one of those things is worse. It's a fair point. That's a really good point, and I don't have the answer. Both are bad. Um, none of us yeah. do. Both are bad. None of us. Do. Well, if you listen I to Bobby Clark, to they have geniuses jokes. who no one listens to. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I think he's talking about himself. Yeah. That R A P M should be pronounced Rapum. I've done that before. I'm cool with calling it Rapum. I call it's it Rapum the all the time, so it's it's Rapum now. <laughs> um. And the joke, the the joke is Cuck Fletcher. Thank you. Oh yeah, you're bringing that back. Okay, back I you I'm know I'm not against it. You know, it's right we there did it at the beginning as funsies. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Why not? Uh, Can we oh, real quick. The playoffs. Real quick, yeah. Uh, Colorado, wrap it up in five. Yeah, I just want to read something. I wanted to go seven. I'm gonna read something for the class. When a player is retiring from the ice surface and is within the five-foot limit of his player's bench and his substitute is on the ice, then the retiring player shall be considered off the ice for the purpose of Rule 70 leaving the bench. Everyone shut the fuck up. It was a good goal. That kind of line change happens 47 times a game. And if you bitch about this too much, they're going to make it reviewable and we're all going to kill ourselves. That is true. That is true. If, Could if you imagine? Make, if we make that reviewable, that would That's be That's the best point there. I would die. If the media doesn't shut the fuck up about this, they're going to make it a reviewable play because they love John Cooper in Tampa and it's going to be an absolute fucking nightmare. It's going to be like the offside review times 10,000. Was this, so Kelly, like I missed this because after the game finished last night, I pretty much went to bed immediately and then slept in. So, so like, has this been a big thing on social media? Yes. It was huge. And, and Cooper went in front of the media after the game and made a statement that made it sound like someone on Colorado had taken their skate off and stabbed someone he was like this is i just feel so bad for the players like this you'll you guys will see like this is just unbelievable. it was just like so dramatic and then like he wouldn't take any questions and left he oh, knew wow, what he okay. was doing it was like okay. a i mean fair play on his part like he yeah. knew what the fuck he was doing yeah you're, you're trying to get in the heads of officials i get it exactly immediately after the game there were so many screenshots with finger drawn numbers yes. how many players there were on the ice where they were a big thing last night was that it was Kadri that came he off was coming on bench. for mckinnon yes he was coming on for mckinnon and then scored the goal so the, that that was the like so here's the we thing see like, line changes right exactly. like they're that they line change, just because the flyers don't know how to line change does not mean that other teams the, don't the know thing how that happened here is that because Kadri scored so soon after getting on the ice, which, by the way, is a fucking Tampa problem. 
The reason that we're talking about it is because everyone noticed because Kadri scored so quickly and people were like, where the fuck did he come from? That line change happens a thousand times. No one gets back on the bench the instant the other guy jumps onto the That is true. McKinnon had the door open. He was there. I think what happened was he stopped trying to get on the bench because before he even could, Kadri scored the goal and they were celebrating. Like, it's just such a nonsense thing. Did you Tampa know it was had in? seven guys on the ice right before it happened because they too were making a line change. That's the fuck what happens. It's so stupid. It's Tampa had no business winning that game, no. and John Cooper's mad about he it. Knows that. So he's he's just busy being mad at it, and he's working the media. Yeah. Once they get every call in Game Five, and he probably Game Five, won. they're gonna have three first period power plays. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why the series is going to go till seven, I think. Did you I guys know, know the puck was I, in? I thought, yeah, I just thought that, uh, no, I did not know the puck was in. I just thought that the, the game four felt like, that felt like the series. Yeah. yeah. Because, I and, and I, I actually disagree. I think Tampa played a really good game. I think they got killed in overtime. Like, Colum- well, like yeah. Colorado I, was dominating overtime. I, I, I thought mean, they played a really good 60 minutes. No Tampa business. didn't have the puck in overtime. Yeah. No, not once. they didn't. They had no business winning that game. Yeah, because overtime was a disaster. Yeah. The rest of the game Shouldn't was stunning. Tie it either. was stunning. Sorry. But, yeah, but overtime was real bad. To me, it was like watching that overtime. I was thinking to myself, like, okay, if Colorado wins, I think they go home and they win this in five. If yeah. Tampa finds a way to win this with like Colorado having Tampa on the ropes and failing to finish them and go up 3-1, I'm like, Tampa's going to win this series. Because yes. then it's going to be tied, and Colorado's going to be like, oh, God, we just let them back in this thing. Yep. After after Colorado blew a 2-0 last year to Vegas, and after Tampa just came back from a 2-0 against the Rangers, I can absolutely see that's how it was going to play out. Also worth noting that the way that Colorado found another gear in overtime, like, come on. They They're seem much real, real good. They seem fresher too. They just seem yeah. like it's yeah. Tampa's got hasn't... a lot of guys yeah. getting hurt. Right yeah, now. like I, they mentioned yeah. that on the broadcast that basically Cooper had said like you're going to be like surprised how many guys are playing injured. Like this All is there, there's right. an element here of like I do think that Tampa might finally be like they've been in two straight long playoff runs. This is their third straight long playoff run. Like that wears down guys. Yeah. yeah. All right. I don't even who do you, you guys all want Colorado to win, right? Yeah. I'm ambivalent. I like both teams. Uh, the Kale McCarr like thing just puts team, it over the so top. So I don't me. care. Actively rooting for Colorado. I know, yeah. Kelly. We know you're actively rooting for Colorado. All right. I'm just saying it. <laughs> Kelly. So is Kelly. Bill. So shut the yeah. fuck up. Kelly currently wearing the. Uh, oh. We almost got through a whole show without a shut the fuck up this week. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I Kelly have my Ab- shirt on. currently wearing an Avs hoodie. Full disclosure, uh, it's because I fell asleep in this shirt, and I'm still wearing pajamas because I feel like ass today. So, yeah. Oh, right. me too. I'm wearing a Broad Street hockey shirt, uh, and it says, let's go the Flyers, the hockey team, the Flyers, because that's what I wore to bed last night. I, too, am still in my pajamas. I have that great. shirt. It's a good shirt. It's a good shirt. It's a good shirt. My laptop's we had, go We had two items on our outline, and we've almost done an hour and a half. That's, I just want to point remember that out. When we had, remember when we had nothing to do today's show, and now we're at an hour 19? Yeah. All right. Uh, that Crushed is it. all the time we have for you on BSH Up. Steph has more. One, one more. The, the draft party is in the works, so keep that Thursday night open. We will get, we will hopefully, soon. it is a Thursday night this Two year. Weeks. It is July 7th. Two weeks, two weeks to the from day. today, yeah. 
We will have details for you, hopefully, within the next couple of days. It is going to be a blast. We have a lot of really fun surprises that we're working on. Um, the problem is we don't have a venue yet, but we will. We will. So just keep the night open. Plan to be in Philadelphia. We will be having a party. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom, content, baby. And details on the upcoming draft party. That's what you're most interested in. Make sure to hang out for that. And while you're there, maybe rate, review, subscribe, all that shit. We'd really appreciate it. All right. For Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Go Avs. So enjoy this uh, advertisement for a product and or service. Oh, my God. Leaving that in. <laughs> I'm just. I at least muted a leaky myself. Leaving it. While I'm drinking Leaving my it all in. Jesus. I'm just a leaky mess. Do you have tissues? Yes. I, tissues are, like, my one luxury purchase where, and I've realized, like, that's the sign of me being a millennial, when a basic life necessity, such as tissues, is a luxury, because I could just use a paper towel. Yeah, paper towels and toilet paper still exist. They still exist. So, anyway, tissues are a luxury, and I'm bougie as fuck now because I have them. All right, we ready? <laughs>